Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitsheno B'Mitzvotav, Etzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This week, we are in the 10 days of awe, Yamim Norim, that period from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. The Shabbat is called Shabbat Shuvah, the Shabbat of returning. It's a time of humility and contrition before the Lord, a time to examine ourselves before him and to consider the great mercies that he shows us. It's also a time to pray for those affected by Hurricane Ian, which became a tropical storm and then regained Hurricane strength as it moved towards the Carolinas. Millions of us here in Florida experienced Ian. There was terrible destruction on Florida's Gulf Coast, and there's been flooding along Florida's Atlantic coast, including the St. Augustine area and other areas south of Jacksonville. Our hearts go out to all those who suffered loss, loss of life and property loss. Here in Jacksonville, we expected much more rain and stronger winds than we actually got. And we're thankful that we didn't experience the full brunt of this storm. But as those who have experienced a threat of extreme danger, we want to take time this Shabbat to thank the Lord that we were rescued from great harm and loss of life. We'll take time for a traditional Hebrew prayer of thanksgiving called Birkat HaGomel, thanking God for his kindness and for his deliverance. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam HaGomel L'Chayoviv Tovot Shegmalanu Shegmalani Kol Tov Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who rewards the undeserving sinner with goodness and who, who has rewarded me with his goodness. And we can all say, may the one who rewarded you with all goodness reward you with all goodness forever. This Saturday after the Shabbat service, we'll connect with each other during an oneg in the Shalom Center, fellowshipping together, having some refreshments and encouraging and supporting one another. I want to encourage you to participate. I want to speak a simple word that is familiar to you, kadima. It's a Hebrew word that means forward. And then another phrase, lador vador, the next generations. Take the promised land from one generation to another generation. As we're reading in Deuteronomy this week, we see that the next generations are given the responsibility for the promised land and future generations will enter into this. Moses was strong and he was hopeful for the people. Standing before the people, he expressed his great hope about their future and about God's goodness. But Moses knew this. He could not be the ultimate redeemer for the people. Moses was a sinner, just like everyone else. And as we're preparing for Yom Kippur, I'm thinking about how meaningful it is for me as a Messianic Jew to keep Yom Kippur. One of the scriptures that comes to my mind is Psalm 49, verses 7 through 9, and it speaks about a really important idea that I think is meaningful for us as we're getting ready for Yom Kippur. It says this, Psalm 49, starting in verse 7, 
No man can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for too costly is the redemption of their soul. Another way of putting it is, for the redemption of their life is costly and no payment is ever enough. We could put it in other words, no one can redeem another person. No one can give God the ransom for that person's soul. Because the ransom for a person's soul, the ransom that allows them to live forever and have eternal life with God, this ransom is too costly for one person to pay for another. So that is a profound statement in Psalm 49, that only God can pay the price to redeem a person's soul. This is at the foundation of our understanding of what God has done by coming as Yeshua the Messiah. And it informs us as well about how we keep Yom Kippur as Messianic Jews and Messianic believers. The Lord himself has paid the ransom price because we could never do it ourselves. God has become our kinsman redeemer, one of us who paid the price to redeem us from the bondage of sin and death. Yeshua came as Lord, as Adonai, and as redeemer. He came as Messiah and King. And the prophet Zechariah says, there will come a day when the children of Israel will be recognizing what God has done. And I believe and understand as a Messianic Jew that we, the Jewish people, will recognize what God has done by coming as Yeshua. It says this in Zechariah 12, verse 10. The Lord says, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. Supplication mean is, is a kind of prayer that is asking God for mercy. They will look on me, the one they've pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. This idea that there is going to be recognition, that there's going to be an opening of the hearts, is something that is profoundly important to us. But Zechariah is not the only one who speaks of this. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, the um, great Jewish prophet, speaks also about how we look upon the Messiah. In Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1, it says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So what that means is that when anyone would look upon him, they would not see anything in particular that would draw them to him or cause them to desire him. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. And so we can see this, that people actually despise him. They turn their eyes away from him and he was rejected and held in low esteem. Verse four, surely he took upon himself, he took up our pain 
and he bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. So the prophet Isaiah says that Messiah will take up our pain and bear our suffering. He paid the price for us. He suffered for us, verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us shalom, peace, was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. So we can see now what the prophet Isaiah is saying. He was pierced, not for his transgressions, but for our transgressions. He bore the weight of our iniquity. He suffered the punishment, the penalty that we deserve so that we received the peace that we did not deserve. By the wounds that he suffered, we are being healed. Verse 6 goes on, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you to take note of this. God will look upon him. This one who is spoken about in the prophet Isaiah chapter 53, God will look upon him as our sacrifice. And this helps us understand the significance of the sacrifices of the ancient Jewish temple. Everyone who came with a sacrifice, with an atoning sacrifice, was coming because he was guilty before God, and he came acknowledging his guilt. He came to the priest who knew that the person was guilty as well. Um, he himself, the priest, knew that he himself was guilty. So the priest was a guilty person. The person who was coming with the sacrifice was guilty. And the one coming with the sacrifice brought that sacrifice knowing that it had to be without blemish or defect, according to the details of Torah. The one confessing his sin was acknowledging in this way that he himself was blemished and defective. You see, the one who was coming with the sacrifice was saying, I am not worthy to be a sacrifice because I'm blemished and defective. And so he and the priest were asking God to look not upon himself, but upon the sacrifice and to consider the innocence of the sacrifice and not his own guilt. That's the pattern. When we think about Yeshua's pattern, we can understand what we're actually saying to the Lord. We're saying, Lord, would you consider, would you look upon Yeshua's innocence? Would you look upon him and his sacrifice, not my guilt? Look at him and what he has done for me and not look upon me and my guilt and my sin. That's at the center of our understanding. It's what unites us with what the psalmist was declaring. No one can redeem the life of another. The price is too high. Only God can do it. You see, God came down to become a man, to become not only the high priest, but the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for us. He became the kinsman redeemer who pays the ransom price, but he pays it himself, with himself. 
Only God can do it. And during the Shabbat, Shabbat Shuva, we keep our hearts and our minds focused on our own need for redemption. At Yom Kippur, we practice something. You could say that we rehearse something. What we will do in the end when we stand before God at the end of our lives, what will we say? Will we try to justify ourselves or redeem ourselves? Will we stand with broken hearts, with humility, even with weeping as we consider our sin? In order to be prepared, we need faith. We need faith in him, in God, in his redemption, in him providing the redemption, in him as our redeemer, in him as our kinsman redeemer, in him as our high priest, in him as our sacrifice faith in him as our judge, faith in him as our vindicator, faith in him as the lover of our soul. And we also need to be faithful living for him, paying attention to his teachings and putting his teachings into action. And we cannot, better that we say, we must not be trusting in our own redemption by our own actions or worthiness. It's important for us not to think that we have righteous and worthy acts that are the basis of our redemption and not arguing, I did all these good things in your name. I did all these good things, Lord. And that's the proof. Yeshua teaches us not to make that argument. And he teaches us, in fact, that it's a snare. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 24, I'll give you a moment to turn there while I take a sip of hot tea. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. <clears throat> Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Verse 23, and then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's an interesting, interesting statement. It's interesting that, that people... Even those who say, Lord, Lord, people will explain that they did miracles and supernatural actions in Yeshua's name, but he will refuse them. And we have to ask what's going on here. And I think it's this. They're, try they're trying to redeem themselves. They're explaining that they are acceptable because they have worthy deeds. They're not looking to God's redemption, but their own justification because of their own worthy deeds. And so then what does it mean? Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And I think there are several different aspects to this. What's important is for us to focus on the Father's will that people stop trying to redeem themselves and stop trying to prove that they're worthy, even by their ministries, by their ministries. We have to get to the end of ourselves where instead of saying, Lord, this is my proof. I did miracles in your name. Instead, we have to say, Lord, I have no worthy deeds. I cannot redeem 
myself. Now, Yeshua's teaching continues in verse 24. It's very interesting. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So let's pay attention to what Yeshua is saying. Those who hear these words and put them into practice, it's about hearing and doing, listening and doing. And it's important that that we keep the right mindset. I cannot redeem myself this way. It's a wrong way of thinking to say, if I just do this, I'm going to redeem myself. Actually, if we put the words of Yeshua into practice, one of the ways that we start is by saying to the Lord, I cannot redeem myself. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it. It had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and its collapse was great. Think about it. The storms will come. Wind, rain, floods, we can relate to that. All of us who have been through hurricane or tropical storm, uh, Ian, or any of the hurricanes and tropical storms, we can relate to that. Houses will stand and houses will fall. People will stand and people will fall. On this Shabbat, as we prepare for Yom Kippur and we reflect on the storm that has come, let us thank the Lord for his mercy and for his redemption. And let us take to heart the words of the prophet Hosea, who said, return, Israel, return to Adonai your God, for your guilt has made you stumble. Take words with you and return to Adonai, and say to him, forgive all guilt and accept what is good. Forgive all guilt. You know what that means? Forgive my guilt. That's what we're saying to the Lord, and accept what is good. What is good is the Lord's sacrifice, the sacrifice that Yeshua made on our behalf. Let this be our prayer and the attitudes of our heart. Well, we want to invite you to join us for Kol Nidre Yom Kippur evening services this Tuesday, October 4th at 7.30 p.m. in the Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Sanctuary. We'll also be live streaming them on Facebook and YouTube. And also want to let you know about our daytime schedule Wednesday, October 5th. We will have uh, a special service of Yom Kippur prayers and readings in the sanctuary starting at 10.30 a.m. on Wednesday. That will be followed by a Yiskor memorial service. In the afternoon, we'll have live stream reading of the Book of Jonah on Facebook. I hope you can be with us in person or via live stream.
In a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing and then a final worship song. But first, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream is a blessing to you? If our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close now with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishbarecha, Ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.